0: Hello, Hello, horror, horror fanatics. fanatics! I'm Frank, and
1: I'm Jen, and we welcome you to our weekly podcast. Oh,
0: oh the, the horror. horror! Thank you for joining us as we dive deep into all things
1: horror, horror supernatural,
0: supernatural <laughs> scary, and downright creepy.
1: If you like what you hear, rate, review, and subscribe to add us to your regular rotation of podcasts or follow. Whatever you got to do. Whatever
0: you're doing. You can also submit any (laughs) ideas, comments, and suggestions and help to Frank uh, to our email address at OTH at SeriouslyDecent.com. You can check our website out at OTheHorrorPodcast.com and you can connect to uh, your favorite podcast platform catch uh, season one and season two and uh, you know connect to the social media presence we have and what we're trying to work on and you can also donate to the podcast if you wish through mm-hmm. our link tree address in our show notes here we are here we are I'm gonna try uh, I just <laughs> like shut off you did apparently 113 times isn't enough <laughs> Franklin needs more Oh my goodness!
1: That's why you got a script. And so, well,
0: then that's the worst part. I was that's sitting at right arena. There. I'm like, oh no!
1: <laughs>
0: what happened?
1: You're like all things.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, and it was weird. Like I had nothing else going on in my mind. <laughs> it was just off, which is weird because Did you usually just
1: power down.
0: <laughs> I don't know. Like a I second. think I glitched. Did you
1: reboot? <laughs> yeah. Am
0: I on five G now? It's, maybe. Uh, maybe. Who knows? How you doing?
1: (laughs) Well, better than you. Better than me. (laughs) (laughs) I I have the uh, creative director. Creative
0: director panting in your lap. Yeah, I had hot
1: breath throughout the whole thing. Yeah. Coming right up. Well, you know. Yeah.
0: Comes with the... uh,
1: Comes with the territory, I guess. Comes with the job. It's a benefit. Is it? Yeah. Is it? You don't know
0: it, but it's a benefit that he provides
1: yeah. 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 Because, you know, breath. menopausal uh, woman. Sure. Hot breath Why blown not? at her. That's yeah. not going to. No. Nope. What could go wrong?
0: Nothing. <laughs> Nothing at <laughs> not all. Not a thing. Other than me glitching. You <laughs> know. So hopefully the a rest of.
1: Flash here or there. Hopefully
0: the rest of the episodes uh, not going to be, you know, will be glitch free. We'll see.
1: Yeah. I don't have your notes. But. So if you. <laughs> I'm yeah. going to be like, I can't help you.
0: <laughs> ta <Ta-da. laughs>
1: To do (laughs) Go fries! Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, you know, we're a one-take show, if you haven't figured that out by now. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. We're
1: a one and done, guys. Well, we got a twofer
0: this week. We do. We got a BOGO. I
1: do enjoy the BOGOs.
0: Episode 114. Yes. Part of season three. Yes. What do you got?
1: I got the watcher letters. The
0: watcher letters. yes.
1: Yes. What you got?
0: I have Centralia, Pennsylvania
1: silent hill for those of you who are into the The horror
0: inspiration it was inspired by silent hill and uh well
1: silent hill was inspired by yeah 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 yeah. strike that reverse it
0: It's gonna be glitch free.
1: It's gonna be a great it's show, be you glitch guys. Glitch free. I kind of can't wait now. Anything can happen.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm definitely. Truly,
1: truly, anything can yeah. happen.
0: And nothing at the same time. <laughs>
1: yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So uh, why don't I take a pause?
1: And let me go. Yeah,
0: I'm gonna get calibrated over okay. here.
1: <laughs> you plug in. Yeah. Do what you got to do. I got
0: to run my. Uh,
1: <laughs> run your diagnostics. I got to run
0: my diagnostics. Yeah. <laughs>
1: defrag
0: <laughs> Oh man, defragging.
1: Oh. Yeah. yeah.
0: Those were uh Those, those
1: were, were the days. Those
0: were the days. Watch that stupid chart.
1: Just go forever. I remember yeah. the first time I defragged our computer at home and my father was like, "What are you doing?" Yeah. And I'm like, "Well, you know how you're complaining about the computer? Well, this is going to help." Yeah. This might not Fix it, but it'll help.
0: Yeah, I think we discussed this before, yeah. It was yeah. like getting a new computer. Mm-hmm. It really was.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It wasn't bad.
0: Those were the days. They were. Mm-hmm.
1: I have two sources. Yeah? Independent.co.uk. Really? And The Cut. Duck.
0: The Cut? The Cut. Oh, really?
1: Not just any Cut. The Cut. The Cut. The one and only Cut.
0: Isn't that uh? Isn't that one of those, like, fashion shows you watch, isn't it? That's the Making cut. the Cut. Making the Cut. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah.
1: With Tim Gunn and... Hi,
0: designers.
1: Let's make it work time. <laughs> I love when he doesn't like something and he's like, looks kind of pajama-y, don't you say? <laughs> <laughs> or he'd be like, I don't know. I guess I was expecting more.
0: That's the best one he has. <laughs> <laughs> Where he'll, because he'll always take that step back, yes, and he'll throw his hand up. He's crossed, he's got the one cross hand, arm, and he's got the the hand with hand a couple fingers face. on yeah. his face, and he's like, and he'll,
1: Mm-mm. he does the stink eye, yeah, and he's like he'll
0: do the shake, and
1: I don't know, I I guess I just thought there would be more, and he, <laughs> or I really don't like that textile, yeah,
0: I just like that. I thought there'd be more, yeah, that's the best one,
1: <laughs> based on what you said,
0: based. I thought there'd be more. And you just see the devastation in the designer because the nicest guy
1: just said,
0: just said
1: what you're working on is shit.
0: Well, yeah. And the number of times when they're like, well,
1: I don't care what Tim said. I'm going to, I'm going to move on.
0: I love that part. Yeah.
1: I and don't care. Always Tim, in the
0: bottom two. Tim Gunn yeah. doesn't know what Tim Gunn doesn't know. My style. He doesn't like,
1: know my brand. It's fucking Tim fucking
0: Gunn. Yeah, yeah. I'm not even into style. <laughs> I'm not even into, You're not fashion, into the fashion. Yeah, like at all. I yeah. wear the same black shirt and the same Carhartt jeans every single day. I yeah. have like the yeah. I have the the like low rent Einstein yeah. outfit every day. Yeah the and
1: guy I, who led <laughs> the fashion program at the fashion institute of technology yeah. is telling you
0: i thought it could be more Ell. you know yeah
1: he's saying yeah
0: yeah you need- and
1: your response is yeah no <laughs> i'm all in i'm all in on yeah. this idea yeah and the ones who actually listen to him they're like fuck, I got to do it all over again. Yeah, yeah. And then they do when they come out with something yeah. amazing.
0: Yeah. No, and then
1: he's like, ta-da. But it's
0: amazing to me because, like, that, <laughs> like I said, I mean, you got a dunce like me watching the show yeah. that doesn't know shit about fuck with fashion. Yeah. Nothing. And, you know, I'm sitting there like, I don't know, girl. You might want to take his advice, you Yeah. Know. Just a bit. He's
1: uh, He's been doing this a yeah. long time. He's not
0: the pretty face on the show. You know? <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, you know, exactly. the other person has that in spades, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. You know?
1: <laughs> what I do miss is on making the cut, she's like, I'm sorry, you're not making the cut. Mm-hmm. But in Project Runway, it was, I'm sorry, you're out. i feet feed
0: That's right. Yeah, yeah. I loved it. Yeah. oh
1: I loved it.
0: Yeah. Oh, the shade that gets cast on that show, boy. Oh,
1: that's the best part. Holy
0: cow. Yes. The shade is just
1: terrible. Yes. Yes. Oh, man. Amongst the designers, amongst the- Period.
0: Period. Uh, yeah. the, judges, the judges, everything. The oh. judges
1: are so judgy. I love it. It is.
0: <laughs> it's the most like, I, I find it funny as an outsider because like this is supposed to be the most tolerant group in the world. And
1: they are the most intolerant. And they are the most
0: intolerant
1: people I've ever
0: observed in my life. You know, yeah. it's it's unreal. Yeah. yeah. It's so funny. I hope it stays.
1: Well, welcome to our yeah. new podcast, yeah. Fashion. Fashion and all of its its
0: glory. (laughs) Yeah, the horrors of fashion.
1: All right. I'm your resident
0: expert. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to find good ankle socks and jeans, come to me. I got them. And if you love black shirts, hey.
1: Tractor Supply has the best black t-shirt. They do. They're comfortable. (laughs) All right. So let's get into the watcher letters.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Picture it. A six-bedroom Dutch colonial that looks like a dream home. Mm. It's nestled on a quiet street in a little suburb, and it's 657 Boulevard in Westfield, New Jersey. And it's
0: for sale 30% below asking price.
1: It boasts four bathrooms and more than 3,800 square feet on almost a half acre of land. Mm. It's in a great school district, and it's less than 28 miles from Manhattan. It's the perfect family home for commuting and raising your children. Well,
0: why aren't we there? Oh, we don't have kids. That's right.
1: At least that's what the broadest family thought when they bought it nearly a decade ago.
0: At 30% below asking s- price? Nope. No. They.
1: Uh. We're going to get into the deets. Oh, cool. They claimed they received a series of terrifying letters warning that their new home and young children were under constant surveillance by a creepy stranger who knew intimate details of their lives. Mm-hmm. And he called himself the Watcher. Insurance executive Derek Broaddus and his wife, Maria, were so scared by the letters that they never actually moved in. Multiple investigations undertaken by the Broaddus' hired investigators and authorities attempted to unmask the letter writer. The case sparked countless theories, both locally and internationally. Everyone from neighbors to sex offenders to the Broaddus family themselves came under suspicion. It all began in 2014 when Derek and Maria Broadus, who had three young children, decided to buy their dream home for $1.35 million in her hometown. Man. They moved in their furniture, carried out extensive renovations. Now, the renovations are on top of the $1.35 million they paid for the home, and this was... But before they could take up residence themselves, their idyllic family adventure took a strange and eerie turn. Mm. Just days after closing, Mr. Brada said he discovered a white envelope addressed to the new owner in the family mailbox. And this is a quote from the letter. How did you end up here? The letter read, did 657 Boulevard call to you with its force within? It continued that the home had... Quote, been been the subject of my family for decades now, and as it approaches its 110th birthday, I have been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. My grandfather watched the house in the 1920s, my father watched in the 1960s, and it is now my time. Do you know the history of the house? Do you know what lies within the walls of 657 Boulevard? Why are you here? I will find out. End quote. In a total of three letter, three letters, sources vary between three and four letters, by mm, the way. okay. The said say the writer mentioned specifics that presumably could only have been witnessed and heard in close proximity to the home. Quote, I see already that you have flooded 657 Boulevard with contractors so that you can destroy the house as it was supposed to be, the person wrote. Tsk, tsk, tsk. Bad move. You don't want to make 657 Boulevard unhappy, end quote. Adding, quote, you have children. I have seen them. So far, I think there are three that I have counted. Then the threatening, do you need to fill the house with young, bl- do you need to fill the house with the young blood I requested? Better for me. Was your old house too small for the growing family? Or was it greed to bring me your children? Once I know their names, I will call to them and draw them to me. The writer eventually did refer to their children, quote, by birth order and by their nicknames, even one child in particular. And this when,
0: was when was this?
1: <clears throat> we get there. OK. Reported New York magazine's The Cut. Mr. Broaddus told the publication that he was a depressed wreck as he and his wife attempted to figure out what to do. She said their main goal was to avoid putting the children in harm's way. Makes sense. Mm. There was certainly a difficult decision given the malevolent tone of the correspondence. I mean, especially talking about the children in their birth order with their nicknames. It's freaking creepy. Quote, It has been years and years since the young blood ruled the hallways of the house, the watcher wrote. Have you found all the secrets it holds yet? Will the young blood play in the basement or are they too afraid to go down there alone? I would be very afraid if I were them. It is far away from the rest of the house. If you were upstairs, you would never hear them scream. Will they sleep in the attic? Or will you all sleep on the second floor? Who has the bedrooms facing the street? I'll know as soon as you move in. It will help me to know who is in which bedroom. Then I can plan better. All of the windows and doors in 657 Boulevard allow me to watch you and track you as you move through the house. Who am I? I am the watcher and have been in control of 657 Boulevard for the better part of two decades now. The Woods family turned it over to you. It was their time to move on and kindly sold it when I asked them to. I pass by many times a day. 657 Boulevard is my job, my life, my obsession. And now you are too, broadest family. Welcome to the product of your greed. Greed is what brought the past three families to 657 Boulevard, and now it has brought you to me. It should be noted that the other two families did not receive these letters, except the Woods family did receive a letter from the Watcher when they were moving out and had sold it to the Broadduses.
0: All right, because that was the question I had. Did these other families yeah, get the Yeah, the Broadus family so,
1: asked the previous owners the, wh- whether The answer they, to that
0: question's no.
1: Right. Whether they'd been plagued by such letters, the Woods said they received only one in 23 years of occupying the home and that it had come in the mail just before they moved out. The, epo- the occupants who preceded the Woods family also said there'd been no issues during their 28 years at the address. Margaret Bakes Davis, who grew up in the house, tells the Independent the whole brouhaha was quote, a little odd, I think, especially because it was such a wonderful time for me and our family. There were no issues. It was like Mayberry RFD. It was a beautiful place to grow up. I had a wonderful childhood. There was nothing when we moved there. Absolutely nothing. All of that changed years later, however, during the Broadus's ownership. When they contacted police, the suspicion initially centered on neighbor Michael Langford, whose eccentric family had a unique vantage point that would explain one detail in the letters. The Langfords vehemently denied involvement and were ultimately clear. Michael died in 2020, and his family remain livid to this day. Quote, "'It fucking never ends,' an irate sibling tells The Independent. "'I'm his brother. I own the goddamn house. "'We got accused of doing something that we didn't do. We "'Did we ever get a fucking apology from the police?' "'No,' he says, "'complaining not only about the family's treatment,' but also the lawyer's fees. The Westfield Police Department did not immediately respond to a request for comment from the independent. Neither did the mayor, the Broaddus' lawyer, or most local businesses. In 2014, however, when the Langford home came under suspicion, the Broaddus family kept up with the probe. Quote, they employed a private investigator who staked out the neighborhood and ran background checks on the Langfords, but didn't find anything noteworthy, the Cut reported, in addition to enlisting the services of two former FBI agents. One, quote, recognized several old-fashioned ticks in the letters that pointed to an older writer, the magazine wrote. The envelope was addressed to a Mr. and Mrs. Broadus. The salutations included the day's weather, warm and humid sunny and cool for a summer day, and the sentences had double spaces between them. The letters had a certain literary panache, which suggested a voracious reader, and a surprising lack of profanity. The investigator didn't think the watcher was likely to act on the threats, but the letters had enough typos and arrows to imply a certain erraticism. The Broaddus family also hired a forensic linguist, who didn't find any noteworthy overlap when he sourced local online forums for similarities to the Watcher's writing. Although he did think the author might have watched Game of Thrones because Jon Snow was a Watcher on the wall. Mm
0: -hmm. I think
1: that's a stretch. Yeah. The Broaddus is still unwilling to move into the house, rented it out, and say another letter arrived at the address in 2017 listing various tragedies that could befall them, such as a car accident, fire, or sudden death, or... Um, The death of a pet or loved one. The family's fear and seemingly dogged investigation, however, would soon soon turn into a legal battle. The has filed suit against the Woods family and two companies involved in the sale alleging information about the watcher had intentionally been withheld. The Woods has filed a counterclaim alleging the new owners were trying to smear their reputation by working with the media. Mm. All claims were thrown out of court by 2019. As word spread through New Jersey and further afield over the years about the story, however, theories also spread like wildfire. Forget just neighbors. Some theorized a jealous buyer who'd lost out while bidding on the stately house could be sending the letters, or a realtor, or a prankster, or perhaps most creepily, but least plausibly, someone who'd been living behind the, excuse me, behind the walls or in a space within the home for years. Uh Attention centered on the Broadduses as well. Many suspected the letters could have constituted some type of inside job. Locals theorized buyer's remorse could have prompted a wild plan to recoup expenses. The hoax theories called to mind perhaps one of the most interesting haunted cases in modern history. Creepily enough, another Dutch colonial, just 60 miles east, centered on a crime that happened exactly 40 years earlier. Amityville Horror House rose to international attention when Mm. Ronald DeFeo Jr. killed his entire family on Long Island. Subsequent occupants alleged paranormal activity. It was just the one. It was the Lutzes. And hauntings that spurred countless documentaries and films, along with rumors that it had all been made up for profit and movie rights. And that house, that Dutch colonial, like they're very similar in style.
0: Oh, okay. And look. Yeah.
1: So as soon as I saw the pictures, I was like, (laughs) ha! It's another Amityville house.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> the Broadest family has faced similar scrutiny, particularly in Westfield. And Netflix now has a show called The Watcher.
0: Yeah, they've had that for a while. Right?
1: With Mia Farrow, Naomi Watts, Bobby Cannavale, and Jennifer cool- Coolidge. I remember so watching that. Let's find out. So what happened? In March of 2019, five years after the Broadduses paid more than $1.35 million for 657 Boulevard, they put it back on the market at a steep discount, $999,000. From the real estate agent's description in the listing, quote, Endless character and features in this one-of-a-kind home must be seen in person! Three exclamation points. Their preference was to sell it to a builder who wanted to tear the house down. Eventually, a young family in town agreed to buy it for $959,000, a loss of roughly $400,000, even before factoring in the agent's cut. The same agent who sold the house to the Broadduses in 2014 worked with a couple who bought it from them, as well as the $100,000 in property taxes the Broadduses had paid and the bills for utilities, home insurance, The contractors who had begun making renovations to the home and the lawyers and private investigators they had hired to find a solution to the mystery. A few days before closing, Derek forwarded me an email confirmation of his 60th mortgage payment of $5,495.13 for a house the family never lived in. When the sale closed, the Broadduses asked their real estate attorney to give a note to the new owners. Quote, we wish you nothing but peace and quiet. That we once dreamed we would have in this house. They wrote, they attached a photograph of the watcher's handwriting in case any new letters showed up. So far, they haven't. So in 2015, the mayor of Westfield described the police department's investigation as, quote, exhaustive, leaving no stone unturned. No one takes that assessment seriously anymore. The police didn't even speak to some of the immediate neighbors of 657 Boulevard, Later, they rebuffed assistance from several investigators the Broadduses hired, including a, re- a retired NYPD officer, a forensic linguist, and a former FBI agent who can make an introduction to the agency's behavioral analysis unit. And in 2018, amid several unrelated scandals, Westfield's chief of police retired. Baron Chambliss, a former Westfield police officer who reinvestigated the case a year after the incident took place, was blunt in his critique, quote, I'm not Sam Spade, but the Westfield Police Department fucked these people's case up, unquote, Chambliss told me recently. The Westfield Police did not respond to requests to discuss the investigation. Eventually, the case was turned over to the Union County Prosecutor's Office, which started its investigation from scratch, quote, this is not necessarily a case the prosecutor's office would be involved in, Vince Gagliardi, the former chief of detectives for the prosecutor's offices, told me recently, quote, lane is homicide, narcotics, narcotics, financial crimes, not this stalking stuff, end quote. By 2018, the office had put considerable resources into the investigation, but without fresh evidence or new leads, they had largely stopped working on the case. A few weeks after this article was published in the cut, the prosecutor's office decided to try one more new idea. A forensic investigation had found saliva on the underflap of one of the envelopes, and subsequent DNA analysis determined that the letter was apparently licked shut by a woman. Several early suspects had been ruled out by DNA sem- samples that didn't match. And in December 2018, the prosecutor's office canvassed the neighborhood again. This time, it decided to ask everyone on the block to submit uh, DNA voluntarily for comparison. A month later, the Broadduses were called to a meeting at the prosecutor's office in Elizabeth, New Jersey. And the Broadduses were told that, by and large, the neighbors were cooperative. No one was eager to appear suspicious, but none of the swabs matched the sample from the envelope. The Broadduses begged to know more. How many people had given samples? Who had been ruled out? Several people on the block later told me they weren't home during the canvas, and according to a person close to the investigation— Two people refused to have their cheeks swabbed, at least one of whom was a close neighbor of 657 Boulevard and someone the police had considered, excuse me, as a suspect, but the prosecutor's office declined to elaborate. The is pitched one more idea. Forensic genealogy, the emerging and controversial field, involves using the DNA that millions of people have uploaded in pursuit of genetic and ancestral Enlightenment in order to triangulate criminal suspects through their relatives. Some researchers believe that roughly 90% of Americans of European descent can now be identified based on DNA uploaded to these databases. Westfield is 82% white. The technique has been used in an increasing number of cold cases, and Derek connected with a company that was willing to take a look at the case if the prosecutor's office would share the DNA. But the prosecutor rejected the idea, arguing that the office had never used the technology before and could not justify doing so for a family that received a few threatening letters when it had unsolved murders and rapes to deal with. Fair point. The Broadduses offered to to cover the cost of using the technique on their case in several of those cases, but got nowhere. They were told in the absence of new evidence there wasn't much more to do. In an email to me after the meeting, Derek said, we lose again. The prosecutor's office declined to comment on the case, saying that while the investigation isn't active, it isn't closed. So was anyone mad about the DNA roundup? At least one person was. After the canvas, an anonymous anonymous writer sent an email to several local officials, quote, what gives the authority to the prosecutor's office to go door-to-door and demand DNA samples of residents without a warrant or judge's order? The author, who identified himself as Malcolm Mannix, wrote, Even if the watcher is caught, what laws will they be charged with, and what jail time will they really face? That's the
0: rub right there. Is this
1: the best use of the prosecutor's resources? Mannix's answer to the last question, pursuing illegal aliens. So who is Malcolm Mannix? There wasn't anyone... With that name in Westfield, Mannix was a TV show that first aired in the 1960s in which Lieutenant Art Malcolm helps private detective Joe Mannix solve crimes, which meant that someone near 657 Boulevard, who appeared to have a working knowledge of 60s pop culture, had written an anonymous email complaining about an attempt to unmask the watcher. Several messages to Mannix's email address bounced back. So are there any fresh leads? If the police were running out of ideas... Readers sure had plenty. Did anyone check the letters f- for fingerprints? Yes, but there wasn't anything usable. What about the neighbor who walked up to Derek and told him they were excited to have some young blood in the neighborhood? There wasn't anything to rule them out, but there wasn't anything else to rule them in. How about a disgruntled mail carrier, someone with a regular view of the house and pent-up anger about the rising wealth of their daily route and the increase in package deliveries that came with it? Frank Shea, the broadest's private investigator, told me the United States Postal Inspectors had looked into the case and that several Postal Service employees were interviewed. Quote, they were just as confused as anybody else, Shea said. The Postal Inspectors did not respond to a request for comment. Cameras were installed at the local post office as well as at the library where someone might use a computer to type out an anonymous letter. No luck. Several readers tried to identify a literary inspiration for the letters and suggested a subpoena of library records to find someone familiar with the work of Shirley Jackson or the novel Watching You, published just a few months before The Watcher's Letters and narrated by a stalker. I am the one who watches. One reader saw echoes of Dean Kuntz and The Watcher's, quote, care for language and in their ultimate effect. The Disturbance of the Social Fabric of an Entire Town, end quote. As it happens, Kuntz published a novel called The Watchers in 1989. The closest literary connection anyone can draw was a short story from the 19th century by J. Sheridan lafanu an Irish author of Gothic Mysteries. The story follows a Mr. Barton who goes mad after receiving a series of threatening letters at his home sent by a writer using the same pen name, Mr. Barton is warned of danger. He would, he will do wisely to avoid such and such street. If he walks there as usual, he will meet with something bad. Let him take warning once and for all, for he has good reason to dread. The Watcher. All of this was fun to speculate about, but the leads were starting to stretch thin. At one point, a Westfield official suggested a suspect with the following profile. A man who lived down the street. The... Letter. The envelope was licked by a woman mm-hmm. from Six Five Seven Boulevard. He was a member of the local historical society and liked to write letters, specifically lengthy year-in-review holiday emails to friends and, and acquaintances. The Broadus's forensic linguists took a look, but they but they didn't see any definitive overlap in the writing style. When I called the suspect in question and asked if he was the watcher, he gave a hearty laugh and said the only concern he'd given to the whole thing was whether it might depress property values on the block. Fair point. Mm -hmm. The most intriguing new theory I heard involved a local teacher. For 33 years, Robert Kaplow taught English at Summit High School, two towns over from Westfield. Kaplow built a career as a writer and was best known for short comic books. He performed on NPR under the name Mo Moskowitz. Of Mo Moskowitz, and the Punsters, and for his 2003 novel, Me and Orson Welles, which Richard Linkletter adapted into a movie, the novel is filled with references to Westfield, where Kaplow grew up in the 1960s. Westfield remains for me the geography of my youth, Kaplau said in 2009. I'm still very drawn to the place. Over the years, Kaplow has told a story to his students that now struck many of them as curious. The story was about a particular house in Westfield and Kaplau's obsession with it. Quote, he had this idea to start writing letters to the house, not the occupants, but to the house, a former student told me. Another student recalled Kaplau saying that he had sent more than 50 letters to the house in question. There were other odd connections. Kaplow retired in 2014 and finished his final semester of teaching that June, the same month the Watcher started sending letters to the Broaduses. And while Robert had moved out of Westfield, his brother Richard was still there. He lived a half a block from 657 Boulevard and worked as an attorney in town. In fact, when the Broaduses sued the Woods family, alleging that they should have disclosed the letter they'd received from the Watcher, the Woodses were represented by, you guessed it, Richard Kaplow. There's nothing there. Robert told me recently, after I relayed the speculation from the AP English rumor mill, he said that he was familiar with the accusation. He had read about it on Wikipedia, and in 2020, a user adapted Kaplow's page with a paragraph detailing the evidence, and editing an editing war ensued. The insinuation was removed as defamatory, then reinserted and deleted and reinserted several more times. Last year, a user in New Jersey declared, quote, due to this circumstantial evidence, one person who continually edits Kaplau's Wikipedia page believes that Robert Kaplau is the watcher. Kaplau admitted that he had written letters to the house in Westfield, as his students recalled. But the house was on 657 Boulevard. He said it was a Victorian on the north side of town and the letters were admiring, not threatening. He eventually befriended the family who lived there and they even let him house sit once.
0: Wait a second. For real?
1: <laughs> That's what he said. So
0: he writes these letters to this other house.
1: And they're like, hey, you want to house sit?
0: And they let him house sit. Mm-hmm. What the fuck?
1: It's not hinky at all.
0: It's crazy.
1: So who is the watcher? Most Did, of the
0: pro- Does anybody know?
1: So most of the professional detectives who have looked at the case agree on a few things. The watcher most likely lived near 657 Boulevard and they were probably an older person. Much of the initial investigation focused on members of two families who lived immediately around 657 Boulevard and fit the profile. The Broadduses were told that DNA samples obtained from several of these suspects weren't a match. Of course, DNA evidence isn't foolproof, but short of a match, there isn't much hope for a resolution other than a confession, and in the past few years, several of the early suspects has died. So is there any chance of solving the case? At this point, there seemed to be only two possibilities confession or DNA match. And in 2020, the Brettises asked the prosecutor to close the case and return the letters and DNA evidence to them so they could hand it over to the forensic genealogists themselves. The office declined to do so. The Brettises say they offered to pay for the forensic genealogy in their case and several others still stands. That's
0: crazy.
1: Super crazy.
0: Well, you know, here's the tough part of that whole thing. Because I remember, like, the first time I was exposed to this story was the Netflix show. Right. Which was good. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there was more to the Netflix story.
1: Well, the Netflix story picked really... up on a lot of this. No,
0: it did. But but at the end of the day, that's the funny, funny part of all this. And This is where, like, people don't realize how lucky you are. To not have somebody just come into your life and fuck with you. Yeah. Because it's not hard. No. And the worst part is, is people are starting to figure that out now, which makes it even worse. Mm-hmm. Especially now where people don't, they know they don't have any price to pay for it. Like, Yeah.
1: There's no consequence. There's no
0: consequence for mm-hmm. it. Even if they do get caught, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you know, the, uh, you hear the old saying, you know, what do, what are they going to do? You know, but you get something like this, like what's the crime they're committing?
1: They haven't. I mean, I mean it's, it's veiled threats. It's
0: veiled threats. At it's best. It's abuse, maybe. You know, yeah. I mean, but yeah, this is something. It's it's definitely something that it's, you know, you could see the profile here. It's somebody mm-hmm. that's not confrontational. Yes. Physically. Yeah. You know? I
1: think it's a woman.
0: Oh, it it. I mean, the DNA stuff mm-hmm. points to it, but I mean, even there you could have. Somebody just, you know, hey, can you or, this it's a, it, or it's a or it's like know.
1: a husband and wife working together, or a, a couple, yeah,
0: you know, definitely too much but fucking time on their sending hands. Sending a
1: letter, kind of like passive aggressive yeah. letter, yeah. yeah, that's a very chick thing to do. Oh,
0: it is, yeah, yeah, no, it definitely is. Uh, I mean, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised in the least. Like if I had to bet money now on it, I bet it's an older woman,
1: yeah,
0: you know, who
1: like watching the watcher on Netflix, I was like, Mm -hmm. it's Mia Farrow.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: I know they were all, they were all focused on the brother. I'm like, yo man, it's her. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's,
0: it's, uh, yeah, that that is crazy. And the fact that like the prosecuting attorneys, I tell you what, the last, the last 10 years I've gone to despise prosecuting attorneys. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it's just like, there's cases where it's like, all right, take this next step. No, we're not going to do that. Yeah. And it's just like, what do you mean? Like this case, yeah. they're willing to pay yeah. for all this. Not they're only this to... one,
1: they're also willing to pay for other cases that you have sitting there doing nothing that yeah. you can't solve. Yeah. You could potentially solve several cases.
0: And I love the answer with the uh, the cops where they're just like, well, we got too much, you know, yeah. real crime to deal yeah. with. It's like, motherfucker, I just paid $1.4 million for this
1: Pretty place. much, pretty close. You know, yeah.
0: so the amount of taxes that I'm going to pay, probably yeah. donations that I was considering a, a tossing down to the community. Right, yeah. You're getting, re- like, all of this preaches elite wasp
1: Yes, bullshit. It, does. it It really, really the does yes. elite
0: wasp yes. stuff. And I've been in those environments, mm-hmm. um, more of an employee right, and a hired yeah. hand, quote unquote, yeah. I'm not going to drop town names or anything like that. But I was next to, I was right next to a town that was like this, a Mm -hmm. village like this, where it was just waspy, Mm -hmm. old people bullshit. Yeah, And it's just ridiculous. Mm -hmm. The the hills that they're going to fight and die on. And the reason is, is because they've got nothing better to do. Yeah, And it just, uh, it's amazing. I think I wouldn't be surprised if it was somebody that wanted that house. Yeah. Couldn't get it. Yeah. And if I, you know, losing a bidding war or something Mm -hmm. like that. Uh, I mean, the teacher angle thing is weird. Like, I think there's more there. Like, yeah. Like who, who, like what circles is that teacher in?
1: Yeah. Well, his brother is right around. He's, he's not far from the house.
0: No, that's, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think, I think there's more there that's the lead yeah it's the teacher mm-hmm. and like who does that person the circles yeah. they run in and yep. who do they talk to and you know because
1: six degrees of separation the for him
0: fact that that is just so close yeah i mean it, it's it's just hard to avoid and the fact you know. that
1: the brother who lived a half a block from six five seven Boulevard. It's That's not, not that far. Far, at it's all. Not far at all. And he was the attorney for the Woods family yeah. that sold the house. Yeah. No, and they got that one letter before they moved out.
0: Mm-hmm. No, it's crazy.
1: It's weird. Yeah. It's all this but whole it, thing is weird. And what's funny is there's another whole letter thing. That happened over in Ohio that I want to do for a future episode. Yeah. Definitely. It's just as weird as this. And you're like, yeah. what? No, but I tell happening? people all the time,
0: like, you know, your life's great until someone gets a stick up all their up ass in yeah. to, to fucking ruin you. And, and the moment that happens, you know, I hear crazy stories all the time about like neighbors bickering at each mm-hmm. other and. You know, let alone like an X or something like yeah. that, but just like it's it's crazy. Your life can be banging on all cylinders, yeah. Until someone just gets to stick up their ass to yeah, fuck like with you. They
1: thought this was their dream home, yeah, and we're spending a lot of money, yeah, to make it their dream home, yeah. And they never even moved in. Like they moved their furniture in, but they didn't move in. Yeah, it's crazy. and I get it. Yeah, if they're if they're calling out your children by their nicknames,
0: see that's that's where. That's where I'm glad I don't have kids. Yeah, because if that happened, oh yeah, it's worth the prison time. Yeah, for me.
1: Well, and I, you think know, and, that's and I have invested with that, so you know. much money in this because yeah. I mean, that's her, like the mother said. Yeah, her main concern is to keep her children safe, which is yeah. why they never moved in. I wouldn't.
0: No, I just, I, I wouldn't give up. I'd be yeah. like Liam Neeson. Yeah, Untaken.
1: They're doggedly still pursuing. Oh yeah, us.
0: and then when I'd find them. Oh, I wouldn't report it to the police. I wouldn't. No, I'd. I'd find that person. I'd find him in a back alley. Mm-hmm. I'd. I'd beat the living crap out of them. Yeah, to an inch of their life. Yeah. I wouldn't kill him. I just let them know that that was yeah. the dumbest fucking move they ever made in their life. Why would you, know? you do it? Yeah. Well, again, this we're in this time period now, and I was just talking about this with a group of guys. Like, there's no cost. There's no price yeah. to be. No. An idiot no. and a jerk and yep. just a mean person. Mm-hmm. You can do it. And then the mm-hmm. worst part is, especially like online, you get a dopamine rush instantly gratified online. Yeah.
1: And you have like that do anonymity.
0: It. You know, and, and you're blanketed all up yeah. in this stuff. Yep. I mean, it's crazy. And now you've got a bunch of people that wouldn't say shit face to face. Right. And they're flapping their yap like yeah. they're, you know, yep. an MMA fighter, mm-hmm. you know, getting ready for a fight. I mean, it's just unreal. Yeah. It's. Yeah, no, I, I thank my I thank my lucky stars every day that you know, and I just pray that I don't have somebody that would
1: like do that. Those letters, you know? the the verbiage, yeah I get why they were like fuck yeah. this.
0: Yeah.
1: And know. it should be it should be noted that the outside of the envelope, the address was handwritten. Mm-hmm. The letter inside was typed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's why they were checking libraries, you know, where you could just Well, here's the thing. It could
0: be the teacher yeah. all along because he's got all these kids doing this. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. hey, having kids help out, maybe lick the envelopes yeah. or something like that. I mean, like you could spread this out. I'm telling you, the teachers, the, that's where you go. Yeah, You don't have the brother uh, half a block away and you have this guy doing the same thing. Yeah. You know, and and just for the, and the brother's
1: an attorney, and the so dis- you know that the brother would be like, "No, you're not gonna, you're not gonna talk to my brother."
0: Yeah, yeah, Oh, it's crazy. It's, yeah,
1: so me and
0: Yeah, so, so yeah.
1: Tell me about Centralia, Pennsylvania.
0: Weird story.
1: Is It's, it's still burning, right?
0: So yeah, let's get okay. into it. So my uh, sources are um, a YouTube video that I didn't watch. <laughs>
1: Then it's not a source. Yeah, no, <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> uncovering uh, pa dot com, all that's and uh, centralia uh, pa dot org. That's okay. uh, where I got most of my stuff. Uh, so basically, you have this. Uh, it's a mining town. Yes, for uh, coal mines, mm-hmm. and uh, at one point they had uh, about fourteen active coal mines. And there was 2,500 residents. Uh, And then in the 1960s, uh, the whole boomtown passed and most of its mines were abandoned. Mm -hmm. And uh, at this point, it remains like a. at this point, it remained about a thousand people that were staying here. So you're talking about a small town. Yeah. And uh, so in 1962... We'll just go, we'll go through it as a timeline. That'll okay. be the best thing to do. But this uh, this town in 1962, they they get together and they discuss this uh, landfill. Okay. This new landfill. Yep. And uh, early in the year, uh, the town, they built this 50-foot deep pit, and they covered uh, an area about, it's about half the size of a football field. Because um, the problem was, is the town had this illegal dumping going on. Mm-hmm. And so they had uh, this landfill that was getting full and they needed, uh, you know, some clearing before uh, basically the town's Memorial Day celebration. Mm -hmm. So at the meeting, council members get together and they just come up with, in the 60s, like the perfect solution. Burn it out. Just burn out the landfill. And it wasn't uncommon that they would do something like that. And uh, it it But
1: you're on coal mines. Yeah, but they don't get into
0: this. This is my topic now. I'm sorry. I'm not glitching yet. You can finish (laughs) 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 So, So the fire department lines the pit with this incombustible material. You know, they know it's a coal mine. Okay. They're well aware of this. And they did this to contain the fire. And so they light it. Uh, It was May 27th, 1962. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, It burns. And uh, the landfills uh, contents are ashed up. They douse the remaining embers with water. They're like, "All right, good to go." Smashing each other, five yep. breaking out the champagne. Love it when a plan sticks together, you know. Yep. And uh, two days later, residents are starting to see flames.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then, uh, you know, a week or a week or two goes on. Um, yeah, it was like June, early June. The uh, firefighters are starting to see this reoccurring fire, mm-hmm. you know. And then, uh, you know, they're trying to figure out where where the where, hell is this yeah. coming from. And so they grab a bunch of earth-moving equipment, bulldozers, etc., And, you know, people are raking up. And they're trying right. to stir up the remains of oh, this burned garbage, which I got to feel like.
1: Hot garbage.
0: You're living your best life. There. Hot
1: garbage.
0: Yeah. No <laughs> kidding. And they're trying to locate these concealed flames.
1: Right.
0: So then they get to the bottom of this trash pit, eventually just working all this stuff up. And uh, there was a hole 15 feet wide and several feet deep. Mm -hmm. And uh, all the waste concealed that whole area. So they didn't know. Yeah. And uh, so none of this stuff was filled with the, uh, like, fireproof stuff. And this hole provides this, like direct path to this labyrinth of old coal mines right? which was built so uh residents start complaining about foul odors yep. and it's getting into their homes it's yeah. getting into their business they're getting
1: sick too aren't they
0: there's smoke coming out of the ground like nice! just yeah, yeah like just this little just spots of smoke coming out of the ground and so the council gets this uh mine inspector in to check the smoke and uh, they determined that the levels of carbon monoxide in them are indicative of a mine fire, right? And so they send a letter to um, the coal company, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, basically, there's a fire of unknown origin underneath the town. But is it unknown? You know, well, no. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, you know, like of where the fire is. This right. is where they yeah. they mean by origin, you know. And so the uh, the council. The coal company, uh, which they own the coal mine, you know, it's now burning. They get these meetings to discuss how to end the fire, how Mm -hmm. to approach this, do it, you know, as best as they can. And um, before they uh, get, like, to a decision of this, now there's these sensors going off that are detecting lethal levels of carbon monoxide. And the mines were just completely shut down. Mm -hmm. And so now... Pennsylvania is trying to figure out how to stop the fire Mm -hmm. and they're doing all these different attempts. It's unsuccessful. Right. The first project, uh, involved, uh, excavating beneath Centralia, Pennsylvania, and they were going to dig out trenches to expose the flames so they could extinguish them. Yeah. Um, the architects just underestimated the endeavor. Yeah. And, uh, it just basically, it would have, been like they would have had to evacuate like basically more than half of like everything out and just yeah they ran out of funding and it was just a bad bad idea so then the second plan involved flushing the fire out yeah and they would use uh like this uh like crushed rock and yep. water and um the uh at the time when they were doing this uh there was low temperatures and uh it was causing water lines to freeze right And uh, the grinding machine that they were using Mm -hmm. for stone, that was having problems as well. Uh, The company also worried that the amount of mixture uh, that they were using wouldn't be able to completely fill the the pathways for the mines and all that. So they made a compromise and only filled it halfway. And this just left enough room for the flames to maneuver around so they have they eventually lose funding and uh they go over budget of course and um, then the the fire spread by like 700 feet yeah. it's like this massive yeah. massive amount uh but you know people are still living their daily lives there and uh you know they're living above this like hot smoking ground the town population again was like a thousand people in the 80s. Mm-hmm. So, this is going on for 20 years. Yeah. You know, at that point. And, uh, you know, basically, there was uh, in 2006, someone interviewed uh, the mayor, 90 years old. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, you know, people just learn to live with it. They're like, we had other fires before and they always burned out. He's like, this one didn't. Ta da. <laughs> So you get, you get to this point in the eighties, it's 20 years after the fire started and, uh, this town's starting to feel the effects of this flame underneath, Yeah, you know, and, um, residents start passing out in their homes from carbon monoxide poisoning. Yes. Uh, trees are starting to die. The ground's turning to literally like ash. Yeah. And then they had a real big problem infrastructure wise, the roads and sidewalks and stuff began to buckle. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then on, uh, Valentine's day in 1981, a sinkhole opened up, um, underneath, uh, a 12 year old, mm-hmm. uh, his name was Todd, uh, Domboski. uh, and the ground was searing and the sinkhole was like 150 feet deep. Right. And he survived cause he grabbed, uh, like a tree root, literally like out mm-hmm. of a movie and, um, his cousin arrived and pulled yep. him out. So. At this point in the early 80s, Pennsylvania spent more than $7 million to put this fire out with no success. Oh, $7 million. Yeah. You get this kid who almost died. And basically, they're now talking about it's time to abandon the yeah.
1: town. Yeah. So the it's federal, structurally unsound.
0: Yeah. So the federal government appropriated $42 million to purchase Centralia and demolish the buildings, relocate the residents. Yep. But not everyone wanted to leave. You know, Fucking you got a. people that just want to stay there. So for ten years, these legal battles and arguments, you know, are just right. becoming like status quo in Centralia. And not uh,
1: necessarily, the if the feds are doing it, they can just take the property by eminent domain.
0: Well, y- again, you you got to look at it. it's early. It's the eighties. Yeah, it wasn't really. You know, that was that was a bit later, and. So yeah, there's these legal battles and, uh, the local newspaper was publishing like a weekly list of who was leaving, Mm -hmm. you know, just trying to get like people into the idea like, Oh, Hey, the Smiths are leaving. Yeah. Well, you know, if the Smiths are leaving, maybe maybe we should should leave, you know, they're trying and I have to admit, like out of everything they were doing, they were trying to be as creative as possible with this. And, uh. So finally, Pennsylvania invoked eminent domain in 1993, because okay. again, yep. that's when eminent domain was starting to become a thing. Uh, and then basically 63 residents remain and they became the squatters and the houses that they've just owned for decades. And so, you know, that didn't put an end to the town. Still had a council, had a mayor. They paid their bills. And uh, for two decades, they just fought to stay there legally. Um, in 2013, there's less than 10 residents and they want a settlement against the state. Each was awarded $349,500 in ownership of their properties until they die. At which point Pennsylvania will seize the land, finally demolishing what structures re- remain. It's a waiting game at this point. The state's just going to yeah. wait, say, okay, we're not going to let anybody new in. Yeah. You know, you can't build, you can't whatever. No. So we'll just wait you out. And, um, you know, this one person, you know, said, yeah, I'm going to choose to stay with my wife. Even when he was offered a bailout, he said, I remember when the state came and they said they wanted our house. And he said, you know, she took one look at the man and said, they're not getting it. And this is the only home I have ever owned. And I want to keep it. He said, uh, and he died in 2018 at 93 years of age. I, I respect that. Yeah, I really do. You know, um, Still in, you know, that was his childhood home that he was in, you know. So it was just uh, that was the last remaining building on what was once a three block long stretch of like homes. So now, uh, you know, at this point, there's fewer than five people that still live in Centralia, Pennsylvania. Uh, The experts estimate that there is enough coal underneath to fuel the fire for another two hundred in 50 years. It's been going
1: that long.
0: It's been going for uh, 60 years yeah. now. And it can go for another, for another 250, 250 years. Yeah. This is what people have to understand. I'm going to take a small pause for a moment. Yes. The fact that you have all this coal underneath. Yeah. And again, people are going to say, well, if they didn't mine it, there'd be those pathways there. No, it's still there. Yeah. So you have these issues now. Yeah. That are a problem. Mm -hmm. So, this is where everybody can say, well, you know, if we just don't use coal anymore, it'll be good for the environment. No, it's still there.
1: Yeah. It's the, not only is the coal still there. It's just burning. The, and the now, mine shafts are also still there because they're yeah. not going to fill those in. No. And that's when they with, close it down, they just close out the front and they're uh, like, don't go in there.
0: And that's with all these other coal mines. Yeah. You're going to have more of these is yes, what I'm getting at. Yes, As you exactly. get rid of coal, yes. you're going to have more of these and they're going to burn anyways. So you yeah. either burn it and make it useful Correct. for energy yes. or you have it burn like this and it's just thrown toxic fumes yes. all up in the air anyway. I'm
1: surprised those you people know. were still alive with the amount of carbon monoxide that would be in the air. Well, they have to be on like the outskirts of town. Like they can't be yeah, like probably, right in the heart of it.
0: Probably, you know, I mean, well, and it probably burning in one spot and not so much in the other spot, yeah. you know, but, uh. Yeah, it's 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 pretty crazy. Two hundred and fifty years. So, you know, the story and infrastructure of the town has provided its own kind of fuel for creative endeavors. Yeah, uh, the actual Silent Hill town uh, that inspired the two thousand six horror film is this Abandoned Pennsylvania town. Yeah. A lot of people that are into the Silent Hill yeah. series and stuff and video games yeah. and things like that uh, they don't really know that that was actually based
1: on a real place on a real
0: place. And it's this place here. Yeah. Um, if you're playing the real, if you're playing a video game, I would stop after silent Hill (laughs) three, just a recommendation. There's a lot of them Four is your massive stop. Like after four, hard, hard stop. Yeah. You can, you can be done there, but they were good games, but yeah, there's no real silent Hill town. Uh, the movie used that setting and what happened to Centralia as part of its plot right. again yep. inspired yep so there's actually an abandoned uh part of route 61 that leads into the town center and um artists have transformed this like uh mile stretch yep uh and they call it graffiti highway and okay. it's just all of this different type of graffiti and right. You know, one person was writing, they were like, some of it's art, a lot of it's curse words and, yeah. you know, crap, typical stuff. Um, yeah, the pavement cracked and smoked, but people came from around the country to leave their mark, basically. Yeah. And uh by the time a private mining company purchased the land, they filled the road in with dirt uh, in 2020. Okay. And nearly the entire surface was covered by spray paint. So- Today, Centralia, Pennsylvania is better known as a tourist attraction for people to look to glimpse of one of the plumes of noxious smoke rising from beneath the earth. They've got these, uh, um, they're like chimney stacks, like pipe. um, And they're just into the ground and it creates this kind of ventilating. And that's how people were staying alive. You know, they were kind of managing Mm -hmm. this stuff. Um,
1: Because I was going to say, biologically, your body will absorb carbon monoxide yeah. before anything else. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how you succumb to carbon monoxide. It's so easily absorbed into your system. Oh
0: yeah. Super, super easy. And then uh yeah, so the the surrounding forest has crept in uh you know, and it's just it's just growing around uh people, you know, they call it a ghost town. Um you know, and it, it is a, a legitimate ghost yeah. town. Um, I'd love to check it out. Same. You know, just to check it out. Same. And just, and just see, you know. Yeah. um,
1: I was under the impression that they made everyone leave and that you weren't allowed to get in there specifically because of. You can't, uh,
0: you can't do that. And the reason you can't do that is because there's people that fought a long revolutionary war. (laughs) So government couldn't come and run you out of your house. Yeah. And that's where eminent domain was a big deal in the nineties. Yeah. It's like, look, you know, people died. So yeah. as long as you're paying your taxes mm-hmm. and as long as you're paying your your property you know, or your home, you know, you, you're yeah. able to stay and exist where you pay, right? you know, and, and, um, and there's a fine line with that. And, you know, I'm sorry, but my whole opinion is, is if they're paying and they want to stay there. Well, then they stay there. Yeah. And like I said, it's just easier for the government to wait them out. Yeah. And then they'll cover it up and, you know, whatever they're going to do there. But you're never going to stop people from staying there. You know? I mean, someone could go there and just squat, you know?
1: Well, what they're doing is every time someone passes away, they're tearing down their home. There's no Mm -hmm. home left for people to squat. You'd yeah. have to squat in No, tent. I'm just saying, say yeah.
0: you're a, a drifter or something mm-hmm. like that. You're never going to stop that kind of stuff. And you got schmucks like us that do an episode on a podcast like this, and you get people like us that are like, I'd like to go and check it out. Mm-hmm. It becomes a tourist attraction. Yeah. You know, and, uh, but I think it's, uh, yeah, you know, 250 years this thing's going to burn, they project.
1: They had a you ton know? of coal underneath them. Yeah,
0: yeah. And there, like I said, there's there's tons of places like this. Yeah, the United States is sitting on. I think I read somewhere that we're, the United States is sitting on the largest coal bed, like in the world. I, I like we don't have doubt more that. coal than yeah. everybody. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I I get the arguments with it. It is messy. It is dirty. You know, it is all the stuff. But the fact is, is like if you don't use any of the stuff, what happens? it's the same thing with oil. Like everybody says, Oh, oil's not a renewable resource. It's like, I don't know. I think it is. I think we would have ran out by oil now by the amount that we go through with it. I, you know, and I mean, I'm no, you know, oil man, oil man, or or even scientists for that matter. But the fact is, is it just seems odd that we haven't run out of it, you know, and, and you've got, All these, you know, we're in the modern world now where everyone's using oil to some capacity. Everybody's using coal to some capacity. And the earth still, you know, if the earth can provide, you know, if the whole system provides sunlight and the whole system provides wind and it Mm -hmm. provides all these, then why doesn't it just create this as well? Mm -hmm. You know, who knows what's going on in the core there? but the fact that you know if you're not going to be using any of this yeah especially oil and say that starts to come bubble up, up yeah. and bubble up what does that present yeah nobody wants to think about that no one wants to have that conversation yeah you know they just want to tell you you're a fucking idiot and just shut yeah. up you know fun
1: fact my grandmother her um furnace in her farmhouse yeah. ran on coal Yeah, so the truck would come in Yep. And the chute would go, it was right outside their bedroom window. So I would sit in the bedroom window and watch the coal go into there. they would just open the window. There yeah. was a chute and the coal would just go in. Essentially, it was like a cemented room. Yeah. And you would just take it by the shovel full yeah. and put it in the furnace.
0: Yeah. And here you are alive, healthy. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, weird
1: virtually unscathed. You know,
0: yeah, no, I mean, there's hundreds of years this substance has been used mm-hmm. you know um it's it's just
1: fun fact we would also take the ash from the coal furnace she had um the metal um like pails mm-hmm. buckets and we would take the buckets and we would spread it out in the driveway in the winter and that was the quote unquote salt
0: ah. Put okay.
1: the you'd put the, the coal ash down mm-hmm. and you'd have a clear path to mm. get to the house. Yeah. No, it
0: was used for tons of stuff mm-hmm.
1: for a long time. Yeah.
0: Hundreds of years. You know. And uh Yeah, now you you have this situation where you got a a, a town that's literally on fire. Yeah. Underground.
1: I still can't believe they set the landfill on fire.
0: Yeah. You know, that was the '60s, man. It was a different time, man. It sure was a fucking different was. different time. It sure yeah. was. <laughs> so, as far as uh, yeah, as far as that, that's that's where uh, that's where I sit. That's where I end. Mm-hmm. That's where I stay. Next week we have your birthday, and to celebrate your birthday, you have a birthday buddy. I do. Yeah, so we're putting that birthday buddy. Um,
1: We're doing an episode on my birthday, buddy.
0: Yeah, your birthday, buddy, L. Ron Hubbard as part of Cult of the Month too.
1: Yay. Yeah, guys, I'm I'm trying really hard to make March 13th cool because yeah, cause, he made it lame
0: because he made it lame. Yeah, yeah. no, so I, help
1: a girl out. I, Donate to our to our <laughs> podcast. Help me fix this. Yeah, help help <laughs>
0: Jen celebrate her birthday by donating to the podcast. Yeah, you know. Yeah. I, I could tell you right now the funds will go to a bottle of champagne.
1: No, man. Yeah. I'm going after Scientology. Yeah. No, I, uh, I'm uh, i
0: very, I just find L. Ron Hubbard incredibly interesting. And uh, I, just, I can't wait to dive into it next week. I really can't wait to kind of pull that apart because I
1: just finished reading uh, a book about him mm-hmm.
0: The Barefaced Messiah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Because this was written by someone outside of Scientology, and God bless him. He footnoted and sourced everything, everything that's in his book, because he was such a pathological liar that this guy, he actually investigated all of Ron's claims. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, his things that you could Actually I know.
0: We're gonna have an episode on it next week. It's
1: ridiculous. (laughs) I was like, holy shit.
0: Yeah. No, I just I find him very, very interesting and and really can't wait to like pop open the hood and really just like get into the intricacies of this guy. Um and just the appeal he had to a certain group of people. He did. Um it's just unreal. Yeah. And it was something like you and I got to watch in our age, like in real time. Yeah. Like it happened. I mean, yeah. it happened a bit before us, but like when it really started kicking full swing. Yeah. When we Scientology
1: was getting at its peak, they did a resurgence of Dianetics. Yeah. And they did like a whole bunch of new commercials. Yeah. And I remember them. The and,
0: volcano going yes. off and yeah. Dianetics. Dianetics. That's all you Dianetics. saw on a commercial for yeah. the 80s. Oh, they yeah.
1: they had to have bought so
0: the millions ad, of yeah, dollars the worth amount of, money, of time. Yeah. yeah. And that's stuff, again, we're going to get into, this was all part of us doing, you know, cult of the month and we yes. did Scientology yes. last year. And, uh, you know, this brings in now where we were going, you know, we committed to saying, we're going to break Scientology off in pieces. Yes. So we did Scientology, the episode in season two, Definitely recommend that as a primer. Yes. Uh, before getting into this, and yes. I can tell you right now because I have it right here on mm-hmm. my uh, on most stuff. That's episode ninety six. Yes. Of season two. If you have not heard that, I would recommend because that's the overview of, of Scientology, Scientology. Yep. If you live in a hole in the ground and you haven't heard about it, if you've heard about it, then you know. If and, you know, uh, you know. Yeah. If you know, you know. Uh, but we're gonna. We we promised them we'd break it out to L. Ron Hubbard. We would break it out to the Sea Org. We'd break it out to the The bridge. bridge And and fair game. And fair game. So that's uh, we're incorporating that throughout the year Yes. to give uh, Scientology a good enough spread. uh, Because it needs to be talked about. It's something that happened in our time. It's something that got way out of control. Yeah. And uh, it's definitely worth a conversation because... You start seeing some parallels with things I and mean, yes. what Scientology yep. did. A lot of people today are using things that Scientology Well, a lot did. of the
1: cults took mm-hmm. direct influence from Scientology. Yeah. Some of their practices, some oh, of the I'm things Oh, I'm not even talking do. cults. Yeah. I'm just
0: talking people and the bullshit they yeah. do. You yeah. know. Uh, so, yeah, we're very excited about that. It's a lot of reading on our end. There's some topics we go in that are fairly light, I would say this would kind this of be like one, one of them. Yeah. Uh, but just so y'all understand, you know, these topics like L. Ron Hubbard and things like that, we put a lot of wrench time in um, on the shed and it's we a do. lot of reading and, and the Bare Messiah book, if you haven't read it, it's beefy. It's big.
1: It It is. It's
0: a very, very big book. Um, it is. I was looking at the audio book version mm-hmm. of it. And it's like 19 hours.
1: Yeah. I don't think it uh, took me 19 like hours that. to get through it. You know, but
0: I could be wrong on that, but yeah, but
1: uh, it's all, it's different. It's different when you're reading the book, mm-hmm. like not out loud, when you're reading it out loud, it's automatically slower. Yeah. So I can get, Oh, I where, can read
0: way faster yeah. than, yeah. That's where I hear people are like, Oh, that's all I do. You know, cause I'll tell them how much I read and they're like, Oh my God, how do you read that much? And it's like, I read way faster
1: than, than listening. listening. Yeah.
0: I mean, I'm yeah. almost cutting that in half. Yes, you know. Yeah. So. Just
1: about. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's worth reading. You'll save time.
1: It was a it was an excellent book. If yeah. you want to read about this ass hat, I I truly believe that and um a billion years Mike Render's book. Yeah. He does a very just like top like tip of the iceberg mm-hmm. of yeah. LRH but yeah. bareface Messiah.
0: He goes fucking deep. Yeah, yeah. So I think, uh, let's see, I'm trying to think if we got any calls I don't to think action we or anything. I mean, the usual, if you could recommend us to uh, a friend yep. or uh, someone that you would know would uh, be into us, we're, we're always grateful for that. We we're are. Grateful for you listening. We beat February of last year.
1: I know. Woo! February's a tough nut to crack, y'all. February's
0: a rough month. And we, uh, yeah, we, we, uh, we.
1: I get it. Groundhog's Day, Valentine's yeah. Day. I don't know.
0: You know, <laughs> maybe people are just sick of us, you know.
1: I get that, too. Yeah,
0: they get sick of me.
1: <laughs> Same. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get sick of me, too.
0: Oh, I thought you got sick of me. You know, nah.
1: Yeah, I Not find, really.
0: I think you're lying, but that's No.
1: Right. No.
0: It's a nice, nice lie feel comforted by it but I went through this relatively yeah but 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 (laughs) I went through this relatively glitch free I had a rocky start yeah you know here we are yeah rule number one
1: no Ouija boards number two no dolls three no capes
0: none at all none I love me a cape
1: I do too yeah not gonna lie
0: Mm -hmm. four
1: no blood rituals five no cults satanic or otherwise That's not a good idea
0: we'll let you know next week right Six.
1: No apathy. You need to act to help enact a positive change in this world. Put your shopping cart away. Clean up your dog's shit. Shovel your sidewalk. You know, little things. Little Super things. Super simple, easy.
0: Yeah. Also, just being being nice. Yeah. You know.
1: Exactly. Like Dalton like says. Like Dalton
0: said, be nice. Be nice. Yeah. Next one.
1: Uh, don't engage with the black-eyed children. Well, just people with black eyes in general.
0: Yeah. We'll you know, have like to, just
1: turn around. We'll have to do for you. Yeah.
0: yeah and last but not least.
1: just listen yeah
0: we thank you for listening to us we and do And us your time we do we know you're busy we do we know there's other podcasts that you could be listening to and we're very grateful that you choose us for this short time in your day thank you and with that being said we hope you have a lovely day a wonderful week
1: and make good choices
0: take care